Well, so thank you for being here this morning. Uh, for the next few minutes, and I do mean hopefully just a few minutes uh, because we've only got a few minutes left, I want to talk to you about something that I want to uh, hopefully uh, unpack over the next several weeks. Um, but this morning I want to talk to you about the keys of the kingdom. We've been granted access to all of the abundant life paid for by the only begotten Son of God, the King of kings, Jesus Christ. This is a fact, and yet so many of us are currently living below our privilege. It's not a baby, that's a sack of taters. <laughs> when you hold them like that, it's not potatoes, it's taters. Yeah, we live below our privilege. This is a fact. Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly, and yet when I look around, and when you look around, I do not always see the overwhelming abundance of the kingdom manifested yet. But it is coming. Our issue is not whether it's possible or isn't, as most of us believe it is possible, but how do we access this abundant life for which Jesus the Christ paid? How do we unlock the doors to the kingdom so that we may freely enter and enjoy the treasures of the kingdom? Whose right is it to distribute the goods of the kingdom. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? I like how he says, who do they say? Then he identifies himself and asks, what do they say about me? It would be like saying, what do people say that me, Josh Button, the pastor at Truvine, uh, an amazing husband and father, unbelievable singer, great preacher, am? No. <laughs> so they said, some say that you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them something that was uh, not just a question, but it was going to unlock something. But who do you say? Essentially, he said, I didn't ask you what do other people say about me. Who do you say that I am? What is your experience with me? What do you say that I am? You can always tell the difference between a voice and an echo because an echo always says what somebody else says, but a voice will stand up and speak when nobody else is saying what the voice is saying. Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter said, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, Peter does not mean rock. Peter means little pebble. And upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Say with me, the keys of the kingdom. And whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. And from that time Jesus began to show to the disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Let Jesus tell you you got something and all of a sudden you, you get a big head, you're going to rebuke Jesus. Far be it from you, Lord, that this, this will not happen to you. But he turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, the adversary. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. I want to read it from the Message Bible when Jesus says, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. Jesus came back and said, God bless you, Simon, 
the son of Jonah, you did not get that answer out of books or from teachers. My Father in heaven, God himself, let you in on this secret of who I really am. And now I'm going to tell you who you really are. I love that because it's always in seeing him as he is that we know who we really are. You're never going to be secure in your identity until you are secure in his identity. So when I see him as he is, how is he? He's good. He's loving. He's benevolent. He's a father that always extends grace. He's a father that always loves. He always forgives. He keeps no records of wrong. You've read it in 1 Corinthians. That's, that's who he is. And when you see him as he is, he says, now that you know who I am, I'm going to tell you who you are. You are Peter, a rock. This is the rock, not Peter on which I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. I'd like to pause there for a moment and say, we normally think of, when this says the gates of hell will not prevail. The gates of hell are not moving. I want you to think about a gate in the natural. A gate does two things. It keeps things out or keeps things in. It's a fenced-in place. It, when you find a fence in place, the entrance point is a gate. And Jesus says, not that hell, but the gates of hell will not prevail. Which tells to me, it seems to me like Jesus had a picture different than our picture. Not a church that is strong and will be able to defend against hell, but a church that is on the offensive, refusing to allow anyone to remain in hell. And we're going to bombard the gates of hell, bust the, ga the gates open, and deliver those that are oppressed. That's exactly what Jesus did, the pattern son. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me for this reason, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to set captives free. You can't set captives free unless you go to where the captives are. But thank God we had a priest that did see where the captives are, that decided to taste of death for every man so that he could bring captivity captive. The gates of hell will not prevail. The church on the offensive. We're the ones, hell should be afraid of you more than you're afraid of hell. You're Peter a rock, and this is the rock I will put together my church on. A church, so what is the rock? The rock is the understanding of who he is. The understanding of the Father revealed in the Son. that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. And that's not all. You will have complete and free access to God's kingdom. What does kingdom mean? I told you before. The royalty, the rule, the realm, and the reign. That's what kingdom means. Royalty, rule. So you're going to have access to the rule of, of the kingdom, the, to the rule of God, to the, the reign of God, to, all, to the king and all of the goods of the kingdom. They're, they're yours to access. And, and we know that they're there, but the point of it is we've got to be able to access them. So we're going to have to have some keys to access. That's not all. You will have complete and free access to God's kingdom. Keys to open any and every door. No barriers between heaven And earth, earth and heaven. A yes on earth will be a yes in heaven. A no on earth is a no in heaven. Woo. Whatsoever things you bind on earth shall already have been bound. Is really the tense of the verb. Shall already have been bound. I don't want to get into any, anything too incredibly crazy or deep, but there's a whole there's there's something for binding and loosing demons and and, you know, binding and loosing tornadoes and hurricanes, I believe in all that stuff, that's fine. But really, uh, 
Kelly Varner taught us years ago uh, that the real meaning of binding and losing is to bind ourselves to the purposes of God for this generation. I bind myself to the purposes of God for this generation. Whatsoever things you bind in heaven, in earth shall already have been bound in heaven. And whatsoever things you loose on earth shall already have been loosed in heaven. So I want to read something to you. Let's suppose that a king of incredible wealth decides to do something wonderfully beneficent for his people. Something no other king has ever done. He decides to take all the wealth he has amassed and share it fully with each and every subject of his kingdom. There are great treasures, vast sums of money, gold, silver, precious stones, houses, lands, huge warehouses full of grain and rations of various kinds, and a multitude of other commodities. Why all this generosity? Because the king is good. He has a pure spirit and a loving heart, and justice, justice is the essence of his character. He wants his people to be happy, to know joy, to prosper, and to experience the best of what life has to offer. He wants them to live on his own level of wealth and abundance. Of course, there must be means, a method for the, uh, for the distribution of these blessings and benefits. Certain rules will be established and specific guidelines put into place. For instance, the king may appoint a select company of men to have the oversight of the distribution of wealth. These men must be completely trustworthy. You better listen. Honest, unselfish, faithful, industrious, skilled, conscientious, and efficient. They must have only the will of the king and the best interests of the people at heart. One bright morning, you're called to a chosen group of men to appear before the king. A background check has been done on each one, and only those who have met the rigid qualifications have been selected. To you, the king says to these men, I entrust the keys to my kingdom. It is obvious that you understand my heart and share my purpose. So take these and do what you should. My palace is available to you 24 hours a day. And all my houses, warehouses, treasuries, and gates will open and lock by these keys that I give you. The future success of this venture rests now with you. Now I must be about other important matters. What an honor. What a responsibility. What would you do? Would you use the keys carelessly, selfishly, or dishonestly? Would you brag to everyone that you meet that you're one of the select persons in the kingdom who has the final say as to who gets what and who doesn't? Would you walk about haughtily with an air of superiority because you have privileged access to the realms of riches of the king? Would you conceal the full intent of the king to share his wealth with every man from the pauper to the prince and prevent certain individuals who appear unworthy or whom you don't like from getting their fair share? Or would you let everyone know of the king's benevolence while at the same time protecting the interests of the king by making known and enforcing the few stipulations and procedures he has established? I do not doubt for one moment that the king would be interested in whether or not people we're receiving and enjoying his gift. Should some people refuse to believe in his generosity, they must be convinced because it is the, de the decree of the king that they have their part in his kingdom. Listen. If they don't know the proper protocol for receiving the gift, they must be instructed. Hello, that's why you're here today. If they have neither the wisdom nor the ability to properly use the gift, they should be taught. Teachers, raise your hands.
by someone appointed to administer the gift on their behalf. That is all that is accomplished, is, uh, that all of this is accomplished is of vital interest to the king, but the importance and power attributed to you, the holder of the keys, would be far less significant to him. With this illustration lies the divine secret to the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Peter, you see, is not the issue. Now we know, and I don't want to throw off on the Catholic Church, bless the Catholic Church, uh, bless whatever, but Peter, uh, Jesus was not calling, saying he was going to build his rock or his church on Peter. He was saying on the ability to hear, hear and voice what the Father says within. And the way that's going to happen is by the keys I'm going to give you. And one of those keys is you're going to find out that Peter will be the first one to stand up in the New Covenant and preach and say, men and brethren. So one of the keys to access the goods of God's kingdom is Holy Spirit. In fact, I would, say, I, would, I would say paramount, the paramount, the number one. When I go to my, my I've got a, my truck keys out there. The number one key that I got is probably the key to my house, which I don't use. It's always unlocked because there's always 600 people there, it seems like. And there's two dogs that will tear your leg off with slobber if you ever try to get to my door. They won't bite you. They'll just slobber you to death. <laughs> we had Wanda and... Uh, and uh, Robert came out to the house a few weeks ago. I didn't know they were coming. And she left and sent a picture and had slobber all over. Bless her heart. She said, they just slobbered me to death. They will. They'll slob you to death. But when I go to, my, when I go to get my, uh, my keys, I have a key to a lock that fits my trailer, a key that fits the trailer itself, a key to the van back there, a key to my truck. But the, the number one key I have is the key to my house. And I know which key it is. It's the biggest key. And if I had to lose any key, it wouldn't be that one. If I were to tell you the number one key you're ever going to receive to access the goods in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, which is accessible right now, not in the future, but right now, that number one key is Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit that allowed Peter to hear for the first time, with the exception of Jesus, for the first time the voice of the Father without it coming through the mouth of Jesus. When Jesus was on the earth, Jesus was and is the Word of God. He was everything he ever wanted to say about himself. And yet, the power of the Holy Spirit spoke inside Peter a truth about Jesus that had not yet come out of Jesus' mouth. You are the Christ. I say that you're the Christ. And Jesus says, this is a glimpse. This is a glimpse of what's about to happen. Because it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that you can really see who I am. And if you use the power of the Holy Spirit, you can unlock you can unlock the power and the riches that are in the kingdom. Well, I really need to have some help. The help has already been paid for. I really need to have some peace in my house. Peace has already been paid for by the Prince of Peace. Yea, indeed, the King of Peace, Melchizedek. Peace, righteousness has already been given to you. How do I access it? By the Holy Spirit. No, not that one. Not, there's the key. That's the key that I need. It's the Holy Spirit that will speak inside of your heart. I told, I told you last week, I texted you, and I said the most powerful and important thing you will ever teach your children, parents, listen, if you haven't done it, do it, and if you have, reiterate, is to hear and trust the voice of the Lord within. It's the most powerful thing. I tell Jason, I tell Rachel to have taught my children, listen, that you, Sarah said it this morning, you do not receive a junior Holy Spirit. There is no such thing. Hear His voice and trust His voice. Remember little Samuel didn't even know what it sounded like. He's... Little Samuel's asleep, you know, in the temple. 
and he hears a voice, and he thinks it's Eli, and he runs into Eli. Did you call me? I didn't, I didn't call you, boy. Of course you didn't call him. You haven't done anything for the kingdom in so long, you're not even keeping your priestly duties. Samuel hears the voice again that should have been heard by his mentor, Eli. Eli didn't hear it again. Finally, he said, look, if he comes to you again, just say, Lord, here am I. The most powerful thing you're going to teach your children is to hear first and to trust the voice of the Lord then because sometimes the Lord will tell you to do some crazy stuff. <laughs> right? And you're going to question it. What's going to happen is you're going to say, wait a minute, was that really God? Well, there's a couple of qualifiers. One, is it good? Is it beneficial? Like, for instance, if it's call that person and tell them you love them, I can almost guarantee you the devil didn't tell you to do that. <laughs> That's what we wrestle with, really, really, in the kingdom. Those of us that are born into the kingdom already, those of us that are, that are here that believe in God, we wrestle, was it really God that said it, or is this just something that I'm, that I'm conjuring up in my own brain? It sounds good, so maybe it was God. Is, it, how many, is, is anybody besides me ever had the question, was this really God that said that? That's what all of us, it's, and we live in this divine tension between did God say to us, here, look, here's a qualifier. Is it good? Is it beneficial? Do you know how you, do you, know how you uh, get to know his voice better? You listen to him more. When you pray, if you pray, I got a question for you. If I were to walk up to G and, and say, hey, G, what's going on, man? It's good to see you, brother. How you been? That's great. It's good. And just turn around and walk away and never give the guy a second to respond. That would be considered rude. And yet when we pray, or what we call prayer, we say, oh Lord, I love you, thank you for this day, you know, bless my family, bless this, and we get, and don't sit there and, dare I say, shut up long enough to let him respond. When's the last time you prayed for five minutes and then waited for five minutes to see what the response would be? Here's a key to the key. You remember the Old Testament when it says, prove me now here with it, it's an abused scripture because preachers abuse it. Um, to, for, for people's money. And I, you don't hear me preach it a lot. Not that I'm against it, I'm for it. Um, but it says, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there should not be room enough. See, I know the scripture to receive it. Now, most preachers are going to say, So if you don't tithe, you're going to be cursed. If you, don't, if you don't bring, well, what is tithe first? What was it in context? Who was he talking to? Anyways, besides all of that, when he says, I will pour you out a blessing, the word blessing is, is not, you don't see grain. How many people have ever seen $20 fall out of the sky? Honest to God, have you ever said, Lord, I really need a financial breakthrough, and you looked up and $15,000 just floated into your, no. no. Now, he'll speak to somebody. But have you ever seen that? No, you don't see that. I will pour you out a blessing. Blessing is actually the word benediction. Benediction, the etymology of that word is bena, which means good, and diction, which means to speak a spoken word or a thought. So here's how the Holy Spirit can, can open, how you can access the goods to the kingdom. Maybe the Holy Spirit has given you an idea. That's what He does. Do this. And it probably would seem off the wall. Like, for instance, if He said, start selling books out of your garage. Start selling books out of your garage. It's, you're going to look ridiculous doing it, but just start selling. The richest man on the face of the earth right now started selling books out of his garage because he had an idea. Jeff Bezos. Amazon. How many people ever order anything off of Amazon? The reason you're able to order it now is because some weird, weirdo, quacko, heard somebody say years ago, hey, start selling books out of your garage. It was an idea. 
This is the way we access. Maybe somebody's not pulling up to your driveway to give you $50,000 or hundred grand to pay. And maybe they will. I don't know. I'm not saying that those things happen too. But maybe the fathers want to say, will you listen to the secret that I gave you and that I told you because I don't just want to bless you with it, but I want to bless all. I mean, how many people have been blessed by Amazon? I've been blessed by Amazon. It might be a curse too because my wife has the password. And she, little, she will order, order, order. So maybe when the Holy Spirit speaks to you and says, take this job, don't take that one. Or when the Holy Spirit says something like he said to, there he is, Bill, it's time to leave this job. They don't trust, they don't believe in you. Go apply for this one. You get a, what was a six or eight dollar an hour increase. That's Holy Spirit. And that's why I had when Jen went for her job interview on Tuesday and she found out she was going to have a $20,000 a salary. It, it, is, it is imperative that that stuff is said in front of the church because it does two things. It sanctifies the Lord properly in the midst of the people which is something Moses didn't do, which is why Moses died and never went to the promised land. Hello? Did you know that? Because the first time the Lord said, uh, spoke to Moses and said, hit the rock with a stick and water will come out. And the second time he told him to speak to it. Because the rock who was Christ was only going to have to die one time, be smitten once. Moses broke protocol, smote the rock again and died on this side of the promise. He got to see it, but he didn't get to go in. It's imperative that we sanctify the Lord properly in the midst of the people. God did that for you, Jen. He did that for you. He did that for your family. In that very seat is where you and I sat, where you and Mark are sitting last week and had an hour and a half conversation. And what did I tell you? I said, you are a daughter of the king. I'm not taking credit. You're a daughter of the king. You have the favor of the Lord. Go. I, I think I even texted her that. They said, go straighten your crown and go on this. She said, I already did it, and I got the job. <laughs> so I couldn't take credit for it. Maybe the Holy Spirit tells you. Who knows what He tells you? Maybe the Holy Spirit says something weird like, punch that person in the stomach because they have cancer and I'm going to knock that demon out of them. Like He's told me before and I did it and God healed the guy. Remember? I mean, the stuff that the Holy He's going to absolutely and utterly challenge the status quo. We talk about it, we believe it, we preach about it, but are you willing to put, are you willing, Clarice Fluent used to say it best, the water doesn't get hard until you step out of the boat. As long as you're in the boat, it's just <laughs> liquid and impossible. But when the Lord says, come, and you step out of the boat, the minute your foot touches that water, it gets hard. The minute you say, okay, all right, I ain't going to fight this anymore. I'm going to do what you told me to do. The water gets hard. Then you, then you can do the impossible. Until you will I give the keys to the kingdom of heaven. To Peter, the very one that would stand up in Acts chapter 2 and would preach. And that very day, 3,000 souls would be added to the kingdom. Do you remember uh, also in Acts chapter 2, that, remember anything else kind of sort of important that happened? Anybody? Upper, the birthday of the church. It's the day the church was born. And they were all assembled in one place. In one mind and with one accord in one place, 500 started, but 380 got tired and left. 120 stayed. This is a true story. And they're sitting around and said, what are we waiting on? It's the promise. What's it look like? I don't know. When's it coming? No idea. So what are you doing? Waiting on it. Sound familiar? Jesus told him, he said, Terry, you're in Jerusalem and wait for the promise of my father, which I told you was coming. Because when that comes, you're going to receive a key that will access and unlock when Peter got that key, Peter could just walk by people. And his shadow falling upon people, lame people would get up and walk. 
Peter would be able to walk up to people and say, silver and gold I don't have, but such as I have, I give to you. And look at somebody that's lame or somebody that's sick and say, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And immediately, his, his, you know the story, legs and ankles receive strength. When I touched your hand right there, you receive strength for what you sowed for, what you believe for. The Bible would say, on down, oh, we're almost done, on down the New Testament that these were ignorant and unlearned men, not schooled men. They had not been to seminary or anything. But, they, but, but the, the, the ones that watched them took note and said, but you know what? There's something different about them. They've been with Jesus. They've been with Jesus. When He speaks, He sounds like His Messiah. He sounds like His Savior. Why? Because it's the same Spirit. Did you know the same Spirit that dwelt in Jesus' body that gave him the power to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cleanse lepers, to do, to rot all kinds of miracles. The Bible says in John that if everything that Jesus had done would have been written down, that the world could not be able to contain the books that would have to be written. We just know a few things. The same Spirit that was in him, he decided, you know what? I'm going to send the same Spirit, the Holy Spirit. I'm going to the Father, and when I get to the Father, I'm going to send that Spirit, and I'm going to baptize my church in that Spirit. And that Spirit is going to give you access to all the goods and services that, are, that you need from the kingdom. I have no idea why in the New Testament church, there, in today, in 2019, there is not more of an emphasis on the Holy Spirit. How in the world do we not emphasize our helper, our teacher, our comforter? The same Spirit, the literal exact same Spirit that dwelt bodily in the body of Jesus Christ now has been shed abroad upon all the church. And so that's why you can boldly walk up and say, "And I, silver and gold I don't have, but I'll give you what I do have. Or you look at blind people and say, you're going to be healed. You know, Jesus never said, man, if you'd have met me last week, I had a real anointing for that blind thing. I could have helped you then. I mean, the, the music was just right. Peter was on the organ. You know, he was just, he was doing it. He was doing it, and I just felt it. You should have been there at that service. No. This, because the Spirit is, the Spirit is not this thing that we feel when we're in church. I'm not suggesting that's a bad thing. That's a good thing. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when, you, when there is no music, when there is no lights, when there is no air condition, and when you're met with circumstance, that same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, if He's inside of you, will say, do this. No to that, yes to this. And before, before long, you, you'll, be like, you'll be like a trained animal. You're not an animal, but like, he'll say, go here, go there, sit, stay. No, do this, that, 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 that. And, before, and everything that you touch will be blessed. Why? Because your teacher, the Holy Spirit, your friend, the comforter, literally the same spirit that caused a, a bag of bones of, dusty, of dust to become life lives inside of you. Really? Me? Yeah. But you don't know what I did last night. I don't care what you did last night. Man, if you knew, if you knew what I've done in my life. I, I know what you can do with the rest of your life if you'd stop worrying about what you have done and say, I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit to do better, to do more. I mean, Paul, Paul was on his way to, to kill more Christians, more of this, this crazy sect of, of people, of men and women who've given their lives to follow this man that was crucified by the Romans, that was put on the cross, and they say that he rose from the dead. Paul is on his way to kill them, and he meets the Lord Jesus personally. And Jesus says, you're the one that I'm going to use to reach the Gentiles. The, <laughs> I just like how God does that. I mean, this was a murderer. This is a guy that stood and oversaw the stoning of Stephen, the very first martyr of the New Testament church. 
And they take his cloak and throw it down at Paul's feet. Saul's feet. His name was not changed. Saul is his Hebrew name and Paul is his Roman name. God didn't change his name because he had an experience. It was just a different language. He used the name Paul because he was accessing those outside of the Jewish faith. I love when people say, oh, God changed his name. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. You don't know what I did. I don't care what you did. It's my job to help you understand who you are in the kingdom. Because when that happens, I don't need this job anymore. I'm just here to encourage. My dad used to say, if a preacher does his job well, he'll preach himself out of a job. Grow people up. That's my job, to grow people up. My job is not to make you feel good on Sundays. My job is not to refuel you for the week. Listen to me. It's not my job to refuel you for the week. If you come in here, I, they used to say church is a filling station because you're empty. What? We're already empty for you. ought to come to church full of gifts to offer to the king, not be so empty. And if you're empty, God, his, he's so gracious, he'll fill you up. But this is not a place you come to get filled up. This is a place that we grow up and learn about ourselves. That The same power, the same authenticity, the same spirit of God that was here that I felt is in me even when I'm out there in the field or I'm at my job or I'm at school. Yes, that's exactly the point. Sunday should be about us coming together and celebrating all that God did through us through the week. Not coming back, dragging ourselves in, God, fill me back up. I got another week I got to deal with. No, you don't have another week to deal with. The, the, the week is a way, it's an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to manifest through you, to manifest the kingdom of God. We, Jesus said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. That is our kingdom mandate. How many people think there are sick people in heaven? Nobody believes that. Are there poor people in heaven? No. Depressed people in heaven? No. Jesus said, you're exactly right. Now here's the key. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit to pull the reality of that kingdom into this kingdom. To, to pull the reality of the ethereal realm into the here and now. Well, how do we do that? You access the king, the kingdom with the keys of the kingdom. So here's what I'm going to ask you. You say, oh, well, I don't know much about this Holy Ghost thing, this Holy Spirit thing. I, I've heard it, and I've heard the song about Holy Spirit. You, William, come put, grab your guitar. Grab my guitar and sing, play Holy Spirit. You are welcome on that acoustic. Holy Spirit, you are well. Hey, Robin, will you come sing it? I heard about it, but I don't know what it is. It's just simply the Spirit of God that comes to dwell in temples like you and me. And He will get... You mean... Even me? Yeah, even you. He'll give you insight into things you don't know about. When the ancient of days gets inside of you, you'll have ancient wisdom inside of you. So if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, well, I mean, I can't think of a better thing to do with this Sunday than make sure that you leave here filled with the Holy Spirit. What? How do I get it? This is the best part about it. Holy Spirit's a gift. A gift. I, do I have to teach you how to receive a gift? Thank you. I mean, it's just that simple. The Holy Spirit is a gift. I preached a series two years ago on the Holy Ghost. Three or four weeks. You remember it? Maybe we need to revisit it. I know that there are people in this church that need to have what I have to say because you've messaged me throughout the week with everything that bothers you. And that's okay. 
It'd be a whole lot easier if you just went to the Holy Spirit. I don't mind helping you. I'm not. If you've messaged me, I'm going to help you, and I love you. I, you're my friends. If I respond, it's because I love you. I can promise you. And if I don't, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. But what if you had the exact same amount of faith in the Spirit of God speaking to you as if your favorite preacher had called you and said, God told me to tell you this. If Bill Johnson were saying, a lot of us like Bill, were sitting here and say, God told me to tell you this. Man, you would take it to the bank. What if the Spirit that speaks through Bill Johnson lived inside of you? You wouldn't have to have a mediator between you and God anymore. Jesus Christ the righteous is the mediator, and He gave you His Spirit. So He can say, this is what I say about you. You're holy, you're beloved. You're righteous, but you, but you don't know what I did. You're not a human doing. You're a human being. I say you're righteous. As a matter of fact, what I did was, is there was a whole, there was a whole list of things that were, wrote, that were written about you and against you, broken laws and statutes. I took them and nailed them to my cross. They're not, I'm not even counting them any. I'm not even counting. The Bible says that Jesus, in the New Testament, that God was not even imputing the sins of the world to them. Literally says he was not holding the sins of the world against the world. I teach you that sometime in context. I've been accused of being a lot of things, but one thing that I am is I believe in the I believe in reconciliation. I believe in the love of the Father, and I believe in being empowered by the Holy Spirit. So if you don't, well, this is weird to me. You don't, there's nothing weird about it. That's why I use the word spirit because if you say ghost, then people go all crazy. What's ghost? The spirit of a dead man. Talk. I mean, that's what it is. Okay. I tell you what. Since it's a gift, I'm just going to say, Lord Jesus, I received the gift of the Holy Spirit. When I would go overseas and stand in front of thousands, we would say, receive you the Holy Spirit. In the early church, the disciples would stand in front of people. Jesus actually started it the first time. He stood in front of His disciples. He breathed on them and said, receive you the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit... God went inside them. And then later in Acts chapter 2, that same Spirit they were baptized in. Now, it wasn't just that the Spirit was inside of them. They were swimming inside of His Spirit. <laughs> He's a river of water inside, and He becomes an ocean that you can swim in. How many people would like to experience that kind of Holy Spirit? If that's you, don't you stand up? Let's just all stand. Let's all stand this morning. Let's reverence the Holy Spirit. This is a gift for me. This is a gift for you. Okay. If you've not received the Holy Spirit, I want you to put your hands up. If you're embarrassed about what people are going to think about you, you come to the wrong place. Maybe all of us could do it. It wouldn't matter if all of us just put our hands out and say, Father, I heard one person. It was my mom. And everybody said, Father, I received the gift of the Holy Spirit. You promised me this gift. I don't fully understand. But the Holy Ghost is my teacher. I receive this gift. I submit to this gift. And I surrender. Now I say to all of you, receive the Holy Spirit.
receive you the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Come on, just say it again and again. I receive the Holy Spirit. Come on, open your mouth and say it. Don't say it in your mind. Say it with your mouth. I receive the Holy Spirit. I receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I receive the shikiri of the Bahusha. Come on, begin to say, I receive the Holy Spirit. I receive the Holy Spirit. I receive the Holy Spirit. I receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Spirit, come now. Spirit, come. Be my answer. Be my friend. Be my teacher. Be my comforter. I understand you as a gift, so I receive you as a gift. Holy Spirit, come. Come on, somebody open your mouth. Talk. Nothing in this realm happens until you open your mouth and declare and speak. I receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, let everyone under the sound of my voice that have asked receive your Holy Spirit. If you feel so inclined, open your mouth and begin to speak. Come on, if you feel come on, open your mouth and begin to declare. Open your mouth and pray in the spirit if you're already full. Come on. Listen to this. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you, and just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. The same Spirit that gave Adam breath, the same Spirit that took Enoch 
before tasting of death. The same spirit that saved Noah's family and brought him into a new world. The same spirit that gave life to Abraham's dead loins and Sarah's dead barren womb. The same spirit that made a prince out of a trickster. The same spirit that spoke to Moses out of the cloud and the burning bush. The same spirit that took Joshua from slavery to the promised land. The same spirit that whispered to the young boy named Samuel. The same spirit that was the wind behind a shepherd boy's stone that killed an undefeated giant. The same spirit that empowered a grumpy old prophet to raise seven people from the dead and his protege to raise 14. The same spirit that put a prophet inside of Elizabeth's dead and barren womb. The same spirit that illuminated Mary's dark virgin womb. The same spirit that overshadowed the dead cold body of the Messiah and raised him to life again, making him the firstborn from among the dead is the same spirit that you have received and the same spirit into which we can be baptized, fully immersed so that just like Jesus we can bring good news to the poor. The same spirit. That spirit. The spirit that sings lions to sleep when a prophet's laying in a, in a, in a pit with them. That spirit. The same spirit that hovered over Jesus' cold body laying in the tomb, dead for three days, and just like happened to Adam, breathes into his nostrils the breath of life, and he becomes the firstborn from among the dead, the firstborn among many brethren, having tasted death for every man. The same spirit. The same spirit. The same spirit. When, in my, when I'm in my truck, and, and I can't find any sense of peace. I can't. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of me. He is my friend. He is my comforter. He is a gift given to me. How could I be anything but powerful? How could I be powerless at all when the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of me? It is the same spirit.